Bam. All right, we're back. We're back with another guest. So before she comes on, let me introduce her. Her name is Ashley. Let me read you her bio. Ashley is embracing her career journey in event production after spending eight years in social work field. She is a creative soul that enjoys performance art, live event design, and all things crafty. Ashley is grateful for the blessing in her life and believes in the importance of finding something to laugh at every day. Empathy, compassion, humor, and resilience have all been the key in her awakening. So, without further ado, let me introduce... Cool. Did it work? Oh, it worked. Can you see yourself? No, I can't. Oh, but you're there. I can see you, though. That's what's important. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) How's it going? Not too bad. I read your your bio, and I I couldn't help but laugh at she believes the importance of finding something to laugh at every day because, yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, very, that's for sure <laughs> you definitely have that um ability to to somehow find laughter in certain things and it's it's kind of a gift it's really amazing so that's a little bit of the bio but you tell me about yourself mm-hmm. uh yeah so um i remember when you were asking me you know to tell you a little bit for my bio i was like oh i don't want to focus too much on what I do for a living. Cause like that doesn't really tell you who you are necessarily. Sometimes it can, you know, give you some clues, but um, to me, I'm like, well, that's what I do for money. That's not necessarily who I am. Um, though in some ways it, it has um, influenced who I am mm-hmm. and the things that I do and, and have done um, in my career. So, or in my careers, uh, plural, <laughs> <laughs> Um, as, as my bio said, I, I'm sort of embarking in this new journey of this, uh, of this new career path. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's a very different, uh, path for me in terms of, um, what I do and, um, how I, how I relate myself to my work. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and this is actually part of one of my awakenings is, is about, um, how I define myself through what I do and have done and um, trying to separate those things. Mm. Um, so as, uh, as my bio said that I was working in social work for eight years and that yes. becomes a huge part of someone's identity when you, when you've done the same thing for so long. Um, at least it happened for me that way. Um, and when I wasn't doing social work anymore, I was like, who am I? What do I, what do I call myself? And when, when someone asks me what I do and I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> Cause at one point, like it's, it almost felt like my identity was, was wrapped up in like, I help people or I work with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now it's like, well, is that what I do now? Do I help people? Maybe in a way, but not directly, not in the same way. So it was just, it was a, it was a very interesting time for me uh, changing my my uh, mindset. As much as like when I was doing the social work, I was like, oh yeah, this is not my identity; it's not who I am. Until I wasn't doing it anymore, and that like that really was the center and a core of a lot of how I express myself and ex- and define myself. I think. Um, 
So, but I mean, in, in all of that, even when I was doing uh, social work, I, I always had my creative side and, and all of the, the things I did creatively. Um, and I think I did bring that into social work as well. Um, so I really do think at, at my core, I'm just a creative person. And that's mm. just, that's who I am. No matter what I'm doing, that's who I am. That's, that's the overall theme in my life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. So tell me about a little bit about you, um, you know, upbringing, uh, what, what brought you into social work? Um, mm -hmm. what, what, you know, all the, all these, all these little things that, that make up the you. The me. Um, <laughs> it, I've had a pretty, I guess most people can probably say they, they've had a non-traditional life, <laughs> but, um, I left home when I was 14. That was probably one of my first awakenings. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> got to a point where um, my home life wasn't ideal. It wasn't a, a very healthy place to be. Um, and I realized that I'm failing some of my best subjects in high school. I failed a couple of courses in grade nine, and I thought, I'm not even going to graduate high school at the point. And I uh, mm -hmm. started um, working at a coffee shop, and I was like, 13 or 14, so pretty young, um, and just decided I didn't have to go to school anymore. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that, which was interesting because I always liked school. It was a, sort of an escape for me for a long time, but I just got to the point where I just gave up. Um, but when I was 14, so the summer after grade nine, um, things just kind of came to a head in my home life, and I just knew I couldn't stay there anymore. And I left, and by some miracle, I met... Um, this couple who took me in. Um, I, I knew them a little bit. I was doing some volunteer work at a museum and, and they worked with the museum. Um, and so I didn't really know where else to go. I didn't know who to call or what to do. So I called them and I was thinking, okay, they'll probably pick me up and I'll end up in a group home at some point somewhere probably. Um, but I was okay with that. I, I made my peace with it when I decided to leave. Um, but the next morning they said, we, we, we talked last night and we'd like you to stay with us till you finish high school. Um, and so this is a couple who is already retired. They have children my parents' age. Their grandchildren are my age. So they're starting their golden years raising uh, a teenager. <laughs> hmm. um, and, you know, and, and a teenager with some, with some problems, right? A, a lot of uh, trust issues, um, just trying to rebuild my confidence in myself and in others. And, um, and they really did do that. Um, and they're still a huge part of my life now. Uh, well, unfortunately, I lost um, Harry, who I call my father. Um, I lost him a couple years. Actually, today is the anniversary for two years ago. Um, so that's, it's a, that's a pretty hard thing. But um, I am so grateful uh, to have had them in my life and um, to help me get to where I am now, for sure. Um, I may have gotten here eventually. It may have taken a little longer. I don't know exactly what that, what that route would have looked like, what that path would have looked like, but, mm -hmm. um, it helped me in a lot of ways. Um, see that people are trustworthy and that I am also worthy of, um, of love and affection and trust and confidence. Um, so yeah, so I actually ended up graduating high school, uh, Ontario Scholar, which is cool. 
uh, and ended up going to university. And uh, I think 17 was a little bit young to be going to university and deciding what you're going through the rest of your life. Um, but I thought, and, and a lot of people were, were kind of shocked I didn't go into theater because that was something that I did a lot through high school, um, building up my confidence, just a lot of theater performance. And uh, I decided, well, I need to get a real job, right? I need to, I need to do something serious and uh, meaningful with my life and much more secure, of course, than acting, uh, which it's not. Uh, <laughs> it ended up being that way for me, fortunately, but it's not for many people. Um, mm -hmm. And I went into social work um, thinking there are a lot of young folks like me who can probably use um, the perspective that I might have in terms of uh, the kind of life I grew up in and was able to break that cycle and give people that kind of hope and and assistance to get there as well knowing that it's possible and showing that it's possible um yeah so i did that for for eight years addictions and mental health specifically that field um mm. which is fascinating and i love it and i and i still do enjoy that that area of that field um it was just it takes a toll. It does. Um, and having it be part of your life from a very young age, it got to the point where I'm like, I need to not have this part of every area of my life. Mm -hmm. You know, in every stage of my life, I need to have something else for myself, um, for my own health, mental health and emotional health and spiritual health. So I'm sure I, I will still be involved in some way in terms of um, helping people working with people, um, but just not in the same capacity, I think, and maybe not in the, it, as frontline and as um, involved as I was. So I ended up, um, this was my other and a much more recent awakening. Um, so when that, job, when that job ended and when I had decided I'm not going to be returning, I'm looking elsewhere, um, I decided to take a career exploration workshop. Uh, so that was through um, a women's employment center. Um, <clears throat> and it really wasn't focused in the beginning as much on actual careers. It was more like looking at ourselves and what makes us happy, what makes us not happy, what do we want in our lives? And more importantly, what do we not want in our lives? It's, it's very easy to say, you know, I want this and I want that. But sometimes editing things out it's just as important as bringing things into your life. Mm -hmm. um, and it was there. I was, I was sitting and um, they, they were like, so what have you always wanted to do? And I'm making a list of things and I just kept coming back to planning events, which just seems mm -hmm. like, I mean, and, and I got to the point where I was like, but that has nothing to do with really helping people and making a difference in society. Like I'm planning parties, but mm. it's just, it allowed me to have those problem solving skills that I've been developing all these years and um, people skills and really being able to tease out what people are looking for and being able to make those come to life with them and for them. Um, and I realized that that was really what I was looking for all the time. And then finally, um, uh, my partner, Yuda, 
brother. Uh, he says, well, you've been saying it for like years, like since the first time I met you, you've been saying you wanted to do this. I'm thinking, oh, I thought it was kind of a secret passion. I didn't realize I talked about it as much. <laughs> but apparently I had been. Um, so it was the right thing. Um, but it was, it, was a, it was a hard thing for me to reconcile that my identity has nothing to do with what I do for a living. Mm. Um, so in that period of time when I was between, um, I was just doing sort of freelance stuff and I, and I wasn't really anything. I wasn't, I wasn't a social worker. I wasn't an event planner or event coordinator. I was just sort of a free entity. I don't know, just sort of floating around and, and I didn't know what to call myself. And when people said, what do you do for a living? And I go, um, <laughs> a little bit of everything, a lot of things, nothing. <laughs> um, and that was a really tough time for me. Mm. And I, and I didn't realize that it had been such a part of my identity just to say that, um, I do this kind of work. What does that really say about me? Really? Not much. I mean, a lot of people can do that, whether or not you have compassion. There are a lot of people in the field who don't really, and they just do it for a paycheck. Mm. Um, so I really struggled with who I was and who I wanted to be. And I also realized when we were looking at um, how we make decisions uh, in, that, in that career exploration workshop, I realized that most of my decisions were not made because I had gotten to a point where I said, I'm going to make this change now. It got to a point where I knew I wanted to make that change, but I waited until I couldn't wait anymore to do it. Hmm. And that was a huge epiphany for me. I was just like, I always thought I just made decisions after I weighed the pros and cons, but really I feel like a lot of times I was almost forced into decisions I've made. Hmm. Like when I left home at 14, I knew I needed to get out of that environment for a long time and being quite young and not having the same supports. It's understandable. I waited as long as I did. Um, same thing with my marriage. I knew pretty shortly after we were married um, that it wasn't working out and mm. that I should have left. Uh, and we stayed married for five years. So it just got to a point where I couldn't stay in that relationship anymore. And, and, and it wasn't abusive. It, it wasn't anything like that. My life wasn't in danger. It was just, I knew that's not where I was supposed to be. And we both deserved something better than what we had. And that's when I decided to make that change. Not when I first realized it wasn't working. And then the same thing with social work. Um, I, was doing this job and I think probably five years in I was like it's I don't know that's the healthiest thing for me anymore personally um but I kept saying well you know I've got other things going on in my life maybe I'm just feeling the stressors of that um but really I knew in my gut and um that career exploration workshop was really great because I had never made those connections. They said, well, look at all the major decisions in your life and the biggest changes that have happened in your life. And for me, they ended up being awakenings. And, mm. and what, what's the pattern in those? How did you make those decisions? And I realized they, were, they all came way later than I initially realized I had to make that change. I waited and waited and waited until I couldn't wait anymore. Mm. 
Hmm. And so now when I'm looking at how I need to, or how I want to live my life, not need to, want to live my life, I want to be able to trust my instincts and trust my gut and know when something is good and when something's not good anymore for me mm-hmm. and make that decision sooner. Lots of lessons learned <laughs> along the way. And, and I'm, and I am thankful for those as well, but uh, might be able to save myself a little bit of heartache if I, uh, if I listen to those initial feelings and things when they first happen. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Hmm. So, so I have so many questions. So we'll just, <laughs> so we'll just start with the, the uh, first one, because I, I think it's a very common one, especially this time of year. It's just like the identity of something like you've hmm. been working in a job for so long. That's your identity. You've been in a, a marriage for so long and you consider that to be your, your identity mm-hmm. through your experience. Um, you know, when somebody's shifting from one thing to another, what advice or what, what, yeah, what advice would you give to somebody who, who's in that place where they, where they resonate and they feel like this is my identity, my job's my identity, my wife's my identity, my life's like, these aspects are my identity. Mm-hmm. Well, I think f- first for me is, is finding out why I, I made that the core of my identity. And what it came down to at a certain point was stability. Um, after living such a difficult childhood and not having a lot of stability, moving around a lot and, and having a lot of addictions and mental health in my family, when my husband came along and his family was, was you know, they had their traditions and they, they had a fairly tight-knit family, uh, which welcomed me and included me that seemed like a really lovely thing. And I Mm. wanted that. And it's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it did become a huge core of my identity, this I'm part of his family, and I am his wife, and a lot of things that I really cared about and should have been nurturing, I felt, um, I stopped doing. Like my theater and a lot of my art, those went by the wayside. So I'm planning... um, dinner parties and um, traveling to all the family things, which were enjoyable as well. But there was a part of me that was being neglected. And mm. it, it's, it's too bad that it was. But, I mean, I've, I've gotten back to it, which is great. Um, but I know that I, I mostly did that because of the stability. That's what it offered me. And then the same with the job. So when my marriage ended and we separated – that was the consistent thing in my life at the time. That was the most consistent thing. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I, first of all, relied on financially. So that was a stability thing. But also just, you know, I go there. I know I do a good job. You know, I, I enjoy what I do. And this feeling of being needed and wanted um, it made it very appealing and very difficult to to leave behind. Um, so I think that's a, that's a big thing is identifying what about your identity or what you're seeing as your identity it is important to you. And is that actually a tangible thing? Is that uh, just a feeling? Not just a feeling, but is it a feeling? 
Um, is it an emotion? Is it feeling a need that you that maybe you had or have? Something that you feel like you're filling with something else. There's a there's a hole that you're filling with something externally. Um, and figure out what that is. And and once I did that, I was like, <laughs> it, it was it was a lot easier to move on for me. Um, I was like, okay. So what, what do all of these things have in common and why did I cling to them so much? It was stability. Well, why do I feel like I need all this stability? I didn't have it when I was a kid. Okay. Well, what can I do that makes me the center of that and not someone else or something else? Mm-hmm. Um, and what that ended up being for me is my creativity. Um, that is the most constant thread throughout everything I do is that, Something is creative and it, it's just an outlet for me. It's a way that I can safely express my emotions and feel things and, and share things with people. Um, yeah. So I guess find, find what that, what that is for you. Find what the, what the center of your identity, what, what that, what that is, why, why you feel like that's your identity. Pick that apart a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, it's a, it's an interesting way it's, of looking at it because it's it's the idea that don't create false idols. Don't believe that it's this that gives you your worth when it can be further from the truth. It's 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 neither. It's it's internal. It's inside of you. But that doesn't mean you're like, oh, I have everything inside of me, so I'm okay. You, you have to yeah. ask questions. Sure. And, like you, and you have to go through the things that 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 we go through to each and life is, I think, custom made for each individual um, to go through it. Cause a struggle that one person goes would destroy another, but yet it, it gave, it gave birth to something else. So when you were in your relationship, your marriage, it was comfortable. You had all these things. So why, you know, why, why leave something like that? That seems so, it, it just seems like this is what people are going for. This is what people mm-hmm. want. Well, and it, you hit the nail on the head. It's like, this is what people want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's almost like I felt like that's what I should have wanted too. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was at a point where I was like, why aren't we having children? We should have kids. That's a great idea. And <laughs> 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 uh, now, now I don't ever actually see myself having children. But at the time, it was like, well, you know, we've been married for so long and we both have stable jobs and we have families that are fairly supportive and you know, why aren't we doing this thing? Um, it just, mm-hmm. it's, it's that escalator, right? That, that relationship escalator or that life escalator was like you hit certain milestones and that's what you do. Um, for me, I mean, being in a relationship with somebody, it just, with him specifically, it just, there was no, for me, passion, I guess it, it, it was, it was comfortable, but that's what it was. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't really have like big blow up arguments. We didn't have like deep discussions about things. And, and it's, you know, and that, and that's very telling to me. Um, that's like, are we as close as, as we should be, or as I want to be with my life partner? No, we weren't. Um, it also was at the point where he was dealing with some of his own identity and um, 
sexual orientation and things around that, that I try to be supportive and help him through. But at a certain point, there's, I couldn't give him what he needed. Mm -hmm. Um, And as much as he wanted me to keep the relationship intact so that we could have this sort of united front and I was the acceptable partner to his family who had already accepted me, um, people deserve something better than that. He deserved to be with somebody who could be really interested in and be himself with. And so did I. Mm. Found that such an interesting word to say deserve. What made you feel like at one point you deserved something? Mm. I think I just, I saw my, my foster parents, Carol and Harry, who I was talking about earlier, um, mm-hmm. and their relationship. And it's just, they had this beautiful bond and this really deep bond. And sure, they've had their ups and downs and things have happened. Of course. Yeah. And they're actually a, a big reason why I find something to laugh about every day. That their, they, their secret to their happy marriage was, and they were married for 58 years before he passed, um, was to find something to laugh about together every day. Mm. I just love that positive attitude. And I realized I don't have that with my partner. Um, we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. Um, he wasn't interested in starting a family either. Um, where, what at the time I was, um, and it turned out, I mean, we weren't even really compatible in terms of our orientations and that sort of thing. So that was a big piece, but even without that piece in there, something was missing for me. And, and it had been for a long time. Um, we started dating when we were very young. I was 16 when we started dating, we are married. Um, so there was a lot of exploring and growing. And I think I had this romantic notion that we would grow together. And yes, of course, we've got lots of growing to do. And, and we've got a lot of learning to do. But, you know, we're going to do those things separately anyway. Why not do them together? And it, it just didn't happen that way. Um, I think that there were a lot of things he was interested in and wanted to explore that I didn't quite understand and wasn't comfortable with and vice versa. Um, so it was time and it was hard because I loved him when I left him Mm. and then that's the, you know, that the whole cliche is like, love isn't enough. And it's really not. I loved him very much. And I was terrified to leave. Um, there was a lot of stability there for me in a lot of ways. I mean, things were just comfortable and I could have continued on in basically a companionship marriage for many years with him. But I think we both deserve to, to find somebody that we were both passionate with and, and crazy about and, and, and in love with, not just that we love. Interesting. Mm. When you're in a relationship and you speak about the word comfort, mm. you know, comfort versus passion. When it comes to a relationship, are you, are you more focused towards the comfort or more focus towards the passion or are there certain aspects that you do want one and other aspects that you do want the other? Yeah. I feel like it's important, at least for me to have both at some point, not always at the same time. And, um, there are times where something calls for more of one than the other, I find, but passion can be a lot of different things too. You know, passion is not just 
a physical or sexual thing. Like sometimes for me, it's, it's just about a connection and a bond. It's like, this is a person I want to share like my innermost thoughts and secrets with and, and, um, my hopes and dreams and, and have them be passionate about those as well, as much as I'm passionate about theirs. Um, so passion, I think, uh, can be a comfortable thing as well. Um, I feel like I'm never as open in myself with anyone um, as I am with with you to my partner. Because um, it's just, it, it is comfortable. And I can just be my complete, honest, open self with him without any judgment. So if I were to take the word comfort in your own relationship and replace it with the word settle, would that make more mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. For sure. Because uh, um, I believe, I'm sorry, continue. No, go ahead. Well, I just believe that there's, there's a level of comfort, but sometimes if things get too comfortable, I'm just saying, by the way it was this, you were describing, it's almost like, well, I don't want to just settle for this. You know, it's like you have your dreams, you have your desires, you have your passions, you have your thing. It's just like, you're not dead. You're not retired. Life isn't <laughs> over. Like in how you're, you're in your early twenties. It's just like, but I, I believe that there is this notion that a lot of us go through that's like, okay. And that's what led me to China. You know, it's like, I, 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 I was, I was expelled from school and then all of a sudden I was in school and I graduated and then I'm like, all these things started happening and then I'm like, okay, so if I get out of school, I'm going to get a job. And if I get a job, I'm going to get a wife. I'm going to get a girlfriend then a wife and then a kid. And I'm like, but I'm 22. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know who I am. I'm like, how am I going to live with somebody for the rest of my life? Like, hmm. I don't want to settle that way. That's why when you're talking yeah. about that word and I'm like, and then I went exploring for nine years in the most, and I'm like, where in the world can I go? That just doesn't make sense. I'm like, Let's go to China. And then I found the beauty and the passion and the magic mm. and the things in the country. But when I came back, I, I, I realized that, like, it's not what I wanted. It doesn't mean that people are going through this route, that that's the incorrect way. I just mean that mm. through me, I, I, I looked at my life and I'm like, no, I want, I don't think this is it. Mm. And, I, and I find it interesting in your relationship as well that you how did you, I know this sounds a little cliche or whatever, but how did you find the courage to, like, you love them, but you still mm -hmm. left them? How, mm -hmm. where, did you, where did you find that? I don't even know sometimes, honestly. Like I've, I, in, in different points in my life, like people have asked me the same question about different things that I've done. Um, mm. It definitely helped to have some very supportive people in my life. Um, mm. They were things I couldn't, tell them like everything in terms of how I was feeling and what I was going through. But, um, I had a really close friend at work and, um, she let me stay with her for a little bit while I looked for an apartment. Um, my foster parents gave me money for first and last so I could actually buy my, you know, like get my own apartment. Um, my sister was there to listen to me as well. So I had a few very key people in my life that helped me not feel as alone and knew that I had something to fall back on if I needed it. Uh, yeah. That is important. As much as I did feel alone in those days, it was, it was a really tough time. Um, 
because I, like I said, I, I felt like there, I couldn't be as honest about everything and as open about everything I was feeling. Mm-hmm. A lot of people didn't understand why I would leave such a comfortable sounding home. Right. It's like, so he's not abusive and you know, he's not verbally or physically abusive and but no. So why are you leaving? <laughs> um, and, and, and it made me second guess it for a long time too. I'm like, why am I leaving? Am I making the, the right choice? It's like, am I just like going through this weird phase and maybe, you know, I'm just taking it out on the relationship and it has nothing to do with him. Um, <clears throat> really good questions. Yeah. Really yeah. good questions. I wrestled with them for a long time. Um, for months and months before I left. I think you, you know, it's, it's, I really do like the questions that you ask because they're very reflective. It's like, is it just me? Is it just like, you know, like looking into it very retrospective and, and coming back to it. But after you've asked the questions again and another question, another question, did you notice a theme or a pattern? Yeah, I just came back to this is not how I want to live. There we go. And, and you made a really good point earlier. Um, I'm not dead. You know, I'm not retired. I'm, I'm a young person and with so much life and so many ambitions and, and so much passion, so many things I want to do. And I didn't do them before. And I want to start doing them now. And I didn't feel like that was a person I could do that with. I think that's, you know, and what's so, so empowering to hear <laughs> like you doing that. It's just like some of us get caught in, we call it like the the bias, the sunken cost trap, where it's almost like we've invested so much that we see that we're going to lose more than we're actually going to gain. And Uh it's just like, no, but I've been with them for this long. It's just like, but I don't know. I come from the belief that you don't owe anybody anything and there's no need to become a prisoner to you, to your circumstances. Yeah. And if they're like, don't get me wrong. My, I, I come from the belief that if internally there you feel something that's not right, if you're in a relationship, because I'm a very uh, communicative individual, I want to share my feelings. I want to have conversations, and we want to talk about this because I don't want to hold something in or or live with you trying to live up to an expectation that I'm not telling you. Mm-hmm. But let's. Let's open this. You might not agree with me, but it's not about you always agreeing with me or me always agreeing about with you. It's let's have a conversation mm-hmm. and let's see where this goes. And if we're able to to express ourselves, this this is very healthy as individuals because we're constantly changing, we're constantly growing, and what we wanted today might not be what we want tomorrow. Yeah. And you know, like look at the changes that you went through your life, and it's just like, but there was something that kept on bringing you back to expression, to art, to helping Mm -hmm. and and being with individuals with just, uh, we'll we'll just change gears for a sec with your, with your career when it was coming to uh, like social work, Mm -hmm. how did you, so my question here is when you're dealing with social work, you're dealing with a lot of issues, Mm -hmm. um, meaning that you're holding space for other individuals. When you were doing that and you were listening and holding space for other individuals, did you have a way to not personalize, internalize, or take things on yourself? Yeah, I was always able to do that, like compartmentalize, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Doesn't mean, like, I cared about 
from people, but it didn't, um, it didn't affect me in a way that like when I got home at night, I couldn't let it go and I couldn't go to sleep. Like I, I felt for, for the people I was working with, but I was also, it, it was not, it wasn't the same as if it was a family member. It wasn't personal for me. Um, I don't know that I had a specific technique to do that. I've just, that's just how my mind has always kind of worked. Mm-hmm. Um, I suspect it probably had a lot to do with, with my upbringing um, and going through a lot of very difficult um, things and a lot of trauma and, and being in a lot of really uncomfortable and sometimes unsafe situations where I was just able to sort of separate myself from them. Um, so in a way, I guess it's, it's kind of become a, a safety thing for me. And when I was going through a lot of things uh, in terms of my marriage and, and that ending, that was a, a good release in a way, or like a good way to um, maybe not, not focus on my own stuff. And so I was putting that aside and then I was focused here. Um, and it, it just took the personal stuff out of it. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know how to really describe it. And I mean, I also, you know, I've done my own therapy as well. And I think that's a very important thing, especially when you're working with other people's traumas and, and other people's uh, problems in their lives to be able to have a safe place for you to, um, to express how that affects you. Um, it is, it can get quite heavy, but for some reason, somehow I've always been able to, to, keep it in its in one place, work on that separately and then have my own feelings and emotions and, and life stuff happening over here. No, I, I, I ask you that question because I have <clears throat> the ability to, I have the ability to do the same. Hmm. Um, I can sit with individuals and they can tell me anything and I'm not, and I'm just, I can hold space. I can listen. I can, share with them but when I leave I leave it's not like I leave and I take that uh-huh. and I, I I was just curious to know by being in the in the field for eight years if if you had um, a tool another thing I want to ask is through eight years of being in social work did you notice that there was a theme in general with individuals that came in um yeah I, I feel like a lot of it was um, about feeling stable, <laughs> uh, having this feeling of, of whether it's a it's a connection with another person, um, having somebody that you know is there for you so that you can take some risks sometimes, uh, because mm-hmm. that's the thing, making a change in your life, and that's what a lot of people were, were coming to me to do, takes some risks because you're stepping out of your comfort zone and what you're used to doing. Um, and that can feel like a very lonely thing and it can feel like a very risky thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and so a lot of people don't want to even try because it's like, well, what if I fall? What if I stumble? Something happens, who's there? Um, so I, I really feel like a lot of that is, is about having a community and having connections with people and having someone you feel like this person has my back if something were to happen, something I've been blessed to have had my entire life, pretty much. Um, and a lot of people don't, or at least don't feel like they do. And that's really what's, what's the important part, right? Is, is 
do they feel like they have it? Whether or not somebody thinks they're offering it, does the person actually feel like they're receiving it? Mm. Very interesting. Mm. So, you know, as, as you've grown and you've, you've come through um, this interesting and beautiful journey that you've gone on, you know, are there any lessons that you keep dear to your heart and things that you make sure that it's almost like some people, they're just like, okay, I protect my time because that's my time. Some people mm -hmm. are like, I need to have this in my life and I won't let anything go into my way. Are there certain things in your life that you protect because these are things that you internally and you know that you need to function? Hmm. Definitely a freedom for creativity. Um, I gave up a lot of opportunities to to be creative and, and express that in my life um, for the sake of someone else and something else. So um, I definitely need space to create and to be open to doing that um, and somebody that's supportive with me through that. Um, also try to remember the positive things in my life. That's a huge lesson for me. Uh, it's, I've been in some pretty dark places where it's really, really easy to see all the bad things and see all the dark things and forget about the light. And once I start thinking, focusing on the dark things, it's an easy spiral to get into for me anyway. And it's harder to get out of. Um, so really every day trying to see what's, positive what where's the light where's the joy as well so that that goes in with the laughter and and, and finding joy in things and little mm -hmm. things everything um so those are main things i guess so um being honest about um my feelings and and, and what i need mm -hmm. keeping space for my creativity and, and allowing me to create and finding things to be grateful for and remembering my, my blessings, my life. Those are, those are huge things for me. That's beautiful things. It's, it's good to recognize it. I, I think as we go through this journey, we, we start to find certain things that like the things that you need and things that you need to give to yourself. And there's things mm -hmm. that, you know, it's people, it people aren't going to give you everything you need. You got to give it to yourself. That doesn't mean that it's, it's not wrong to have a support system and to have people mm -hmm. around you, but it's also like, like you, like you were saying, it's like to clarify, what are your needs? What do you, what do you, what's, what fills your soul up with things? If it's creativity, but you feel like you're with somebody that you can't be creative, creative with, then maybe it's time to strike that conversation. And yeah. if that conversation can't be striked up, then maybe it's time to reassess where you are and mm -hmm. to, to ask more and more questions. And as you said, find a theme of what's going on. Are you living life to settle or are you living life to live? Mm. What, what is your purpose? What is your reason? What is it that you want in this life to, to move forward to? So as people are transitioning from like one part of the year to another part of the year, this, it can, can be heavy for individuals, family here, family lost, changing jobs, new identity. Um, are there any 
tips of advice you give to people during this time of the year? I feel like a lot of times when, when we pursue something for ourselves, it can be seen as selfish. And this mm. time of year is very much about giving and, and, and <laughs> give back to everyone else. And, yeah, and yes. it gets to the point where it feels like you're running on empty and you're just giving and giving and giving and, and not leaving anything for ourselves. Um, it's okay, I think, to – is selfish a bad thing? I don't know. It, like, it has a very negative connotation, right? That's oh. selfish when you call someone selfish. But really, it's about being in tune with yourself and knowing what yourself needs and allowing yourself to, to keep that. And sometimes that means having loving boundaries with others and saying, mm-hmm. I would love to give you this. I can't right now. Or I'm not interested in giving it. Maybe you don't want to give that to them. And, and they don't necessarily, you know, they don't have a right to your, your emotional resources. If you need that for you, you, you keep that. Because there's no way you're going to be able to help someone later if, if you can't get through right now. I like that. Uh, I think it's great. The idea of being selfish is not a negative thing. It's it, the fact it is, and the way that I think about it is if there's somebody on the bus, you give them your seat because it makes you feel good. Why? Because you're selfish, but that's a, that's a positive thing. Mm. You know, yeah. I, the, the, the selfish that I see is greed where you mm. take, when somebody has something and you don't want it, it's jealousy, it's greed, it's something else. But I think self ish stuff mm-hmm. can actually be very, very powerful. And I really liked another point that you said, and I read it in Brene Brown's book was she was, she was doing this talk with this lady and Brene was doing multiple talks, multiple talks. And after they finished the talk for the day, she went behind stage and she goes to the lady, she goes, um, she, she goes to her and she's like, are you going to come to the party tonight? And she goes, listen, Brene, I spent all day exhaling. Mm. I'm going to go home and I'm going to inhale. And I thought that's so powerful because it's like you're giving, you're giving, you're breathing out, 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 out. Mm. But eventually, if you don't just take a moment to be selfish and inhale, then you'll go to the point where almost like your boundaries and things are going to get pushed and then you're going to have to snap or something's going to change so you can inhale again so i think those something's got to give <laughs> eventually does so I, I really i really appreciate you sharing those those points because exactly this time of year it's give 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 but also remember you can only give what you have and make sure to replenish yourself to give back to yourself and do those things so before we go let me ask you a question if you could speak to your younger self <laughs> what would you tell them? Trust your your gut and your feeling the first time when it mm. tells you you something. When when everything in you is is screaming that you need something, trust that and let yourself get that. If you feel selfish doing it, then you're selfish doing it, but you will be much happier (laughs) 
once you accept that and you, and you do it because it's, it's going to happen anyway, one way or another, something <laughs> you do. do yourself a favor and do it sooner rather than later. <laughs> mm, I like that. Yeah. All right. Beautiful. Well, I just want to acknowledge you and to say how grateful I am to have known you, to have you in my life as my sister. You're a phenomenal individual. Just the things that you do continue to inspire me as an individual. I, I, I always cherish our talks, the insights, the way that you express yourself. And also if I'm writing something where you feel that I can alter my, my, my belief, I mean, alter my words because of a perspective that I'm not seeing that you're also willing to hold me accountable for that. And I, mm -hmm. I hold that very dear because you don't attack you. You open up a dialogue for conversations and you help to, me to see perspectives that I normally wouldn't. And to have somebody like you in my life is, is a blessing. And I'm very grateful to have you in my life. I feel that very much the same way. I do. <laughs> Love you, sis. So if people want to find you, should they just find you on your Instagram or is there, because I remember that you were doing cosmetics, you were doing a whole bunch of <laughs> other stuff. So let me, let me, let us know. <laughs> um, it's really just my, my one Instagram page and my dogs, my dogs have their own Instagram page as well, <laughs> which you can get through my main Instagram page. <laughs> um, I'm really, honestly, the, um, the makeup artistry, I still love it. I'm not doing it uh, professionally really anymore. Uh, it's just a creative outlet for me now. Um, so there is, you, I mean, you can access that if you want to see some of my past work, but really uh, my daily shenanigans are all on my main Instagram page. <laughs> and you have some great shenanigans. Once again, thank sister, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your time and um, we'll do this again soon. We will. We will. Bye. Thanks Bye -bye. for watching everyone. Bye.